Hey everyone, and welcome to episode two of Quick Cuts, a plastic surgery podcast. Today's subject is going to be facelift, so let's get started. And we'll start with what I find to be probably the most critical component of learning facelift, which is the anatomy. And so to start, I find it easiest to think about the face in layers. If you pick a point in the mid-face and move from superficial to deep, the layers are the skin, the subcutaneous fat, the superficial musculoapineurotic system, or SMAS, and the parotidomasoteric fascia. As you move superiorly or inferiorly, the names of these fascial layers change. The SMAS layer is continuous superiorly with the temporoparietal fascia and galea, and inferiorly with the platysma and superficial cervical fascia. The parotidomasoteric fascia, sometimes referred to as the deep facial fascia, is continuous superiorly with the deep temporal fascia, and inferiorly with the superficial layer of the deep cervical fascia. Nerve anatomy is important to know in facelift, and the two nerves that you need to be aware of are the facial nerve and the great auricular nerve. The facial nerve exits the skull through the stylomastoid foramen and travels through the parotid gland, where it divides into five terminal branches, the temporal, zygomatic, buccal, marginal mandibular, and cervical branches. As they exit the parotid gland, these branches are deep to the parotidomasoteric fascia. The locations in the face where these terminal motor branches then pierce through the deep fascia and become more superficial, running just below the SMAS, are often referred to as facial nerve danger zones, as these locations carry the most risk for injury with sub-SMAS dissection. The branches at risk in these locations include the temporal branch, lateral to the brow in the temple, and the marginal mandibular branch, along the inferior border of the mandible anterior to the masseter. While the zygomatic and buccal branches are also at risk of injury just infralateral to the malar eminence, this is less clinically significant as there's significant crossover between the two branches. The great auricular nerve exits the deep neck along the posterior body of the sternocleidomastoid muscle, or SCM. It then crosses over the body of the SCM on a course that is posterior and parallel to the external jugular vein. As it crosses, the nerve becomes more superficial and more at risk for injury. The most superficial location of the great auricular nerve is over the mid-portion of the SCM at a distance of about 6.5 centimeters inferior to the external auditory canal. This location is referred to as McKinney's point. The last key anatomic structures we'll discuss related to facelift are the retaining ligaments. These are dense fascial adhesions that anchor the skin and smas to the facial skeleton and deep fascia. They can be classified as either osteocutaneous, running from the periosteum to the skin, or fasciocutaneous, running from the condensations of deep and superficial fascias to the skin. The septations created by these ligaments create distinct fat compartments in the face. As we get older, these retaining ligaments attenuate and the soft tissues of the face descend, and this is one of the factors that contributes to facial aging. Facelift, as it turns out, is performed primarily to address age-related changes in the face. So let's talk next about how we evaluate and manage these patients. On initial evaluation of the facelift patient, you should determine the specific concerns that a patient has with his or her facial appearance. Important components of the history should also include prior facial surgeries, whether they have a history of hypertension, whether they smoke, and whether or not they take any blood thinners or antiplatelet medications. The surgical techniques described for facelift are highly variable, involving different types of incisions, planes of dissection, and techniques for moving the tissues. 
Subcutaneous, subsmass, and subperiosteal facelifts have all been previously described, and description of these techniques is beyond the scope of today's podcast, but the most commonly used techniques typically involve mobilizing the SMAS to resuspend the facial soft tissues through either SMAS excision, referred to as SMASectomy, plicating the SMAS, or the creation and resuspension of SMAS flaps. Neck rejuvenation is also often combined with facelift, and like facelift, numerous surgical techniques have been described, often involving platysmoplasty. Postoperative care of the facelift patient typically involves strict management of blood pressure, pain control, and postoperative nausea. These measures are intended to prevent the most common complication of facelift, which is hematoma. If a patient does develop a hematoma, they should be taken to the OR for evacuation. Another important complication to be aware of is nerve injury. If transection is identified intraoperatively, it should be repaired at that time. However, some patients may experience numbness or facial weakness postoperatively without a known nerve injury. This is often just secondary to neuropraxia and should be monitored for 6 to 12 months before considering operative exploration. Facelifts can also be complicated by wound healing problems and skin slough. These should be managed acutely with local wound cares, revising any scars in a delayed fashion. However, you should avoid taking these patients back to the operating room acutely for revision. One final but less common complication to mention is parotid injury leading to sialocele. These are typically managed with serial aspiration, a bland diet, and anticholinergics like a scopolamine patch. And that is a wrap for our episode on facelift. I hope you guys are enjoying the podcast. Please send any feedback, questions, suggestions to jakemarksmd at gmail.com. Otherwise, you can find me on Instagram or Twitter at jakemarksmd. See you next time.